at verse 1. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Uh, if you're on holidays, just passing through, it's uh, lovely to have you here. Um, for those who are regular, just so you know, I'm off on leave for a couple of weeks uh, from today. So if you need to get in, t- in touch with someone, uh, just get in touch with any of the elders. That's, that's fine, uh, and they'll probably be able to help you. But uh, as we come to God's word, let's, let's t- uh, take the time to pray and uh, ask God to focus our minds and hearts. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that uh, even though these words were written thousands of years ago, that uh, they still speak, that you still speak through them by your powerful Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, thank you that in them we uh, discover about ourselves and about you and your word. And Lord, we discover uh, things, precious things about your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask that as we think about these words this morning, that you would help us to see all those things, uh, to grow in our knowledge of you and our faith and our trust in Jesus. Uh, in whose name we pray, amen. Well, it's, uh, it's sad, isn't it, today that uh, it's Eric and Emmy's last Sunday with us. Uh, they've been part of the church for a long time. I don't know how long uh, it's been, actually. I-, I neglected to ask when I, uh, when I saw them the other day. They probably, too long, too long. I think we can all agree on that, Ben, but... Um, but uh, they've made lots of friends, haven't they? And, uh, and they've been friends to many people along the way in the time that they've been here. Uh, it's always say, sad to say goodbye to people. Uh, we've said goodbye to lots of people, actually, this year, as I was thinking about it. Uh, Dan left, Dan Peterson left earlier in the year. We said farewell to a number of volunteers from Worldview. Uh, more recently, we said farewell to uh, Scott and Hannah, and, uh, who'd been with us for about nine months, I think it was. Uh, we said goodbye to Marty and Erica, to Jill. Jin Hyuk and his family have gone back to Korea in the last month or so. We said goodbye to, to lots of different people. Uh, and it's always sad, isn't it, to see people who've been part of us, uh, fellow Christians, fellow travellers along the way. It's always sad to see them move on. But I suppose that the flip side of that is, is that if it's sad when people leave, it means that their presence here has been a source of great joy uh, and actually great encouragement uh, and great fellowship. The the sadness of separation is often the fruit of, if you like, the deep unity and fellowship that we have in the gospel. It's because we're united in Christ and by the Holy Spirit that leaving and that separation is hard. So even though today is a sad day and even though there's been other sad days uh, in recent times, it's a wonderful opportunity, I think, to reflect on the blessing of unity in the gospel and unity in the Holy Spirit. That blessing of unity in Christ, I think, is brought into even sharper contrast by the season that we're living in. Christmas is trumpeted as a time for family. Uh, It's a trumpet at a time when people get together with friends. 
But for many people, it's one of the hardest times of the year. People have to meet with family members that they struggle to get on with, people that they haven't seen for uh, years and years perhaps or, or you know, for the entire past year. Old wounds are brought to the surface again. People face the pain of loneliness. There's no one for them to share Christmas with. I've heard that uh, at admissions to uh, mental health services and, and, and things like that uh, increase over the time of Christmas because people don't want to spend uh, the, the time at Christmas alone. But here in this psalm, there is a picture of great unity. It's this picture of great unity among the people of God. Uh, and I guess as we look at that, we have to acknowledge that that unity is not always there, that it's not always like this. But what this psalm does, I think, is to show us what unity can be like. At its best, what the unity of the people of God is really like. What then uh, is, is it like? What's it like when there's unity? Well, first of all, it's good and pleasant. Verse 1, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Although the, the, the psalm is talking about brothers, it doesn't only mean a, a literal brother or even just a family member. It's a bit like uh, Shakespeare's Henry V, uh, you know, his speech at the Battle of Agincourt. Uh, what did he say? We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. Uh, for he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. He's not, he's not saying... Uh, Henry's not saying everyone there fighting at Agincourt was, uh, was his literal brother. He's saying that they had this, this thing in common, that all those who fought with him on that day were his brothers. And here in the Psalms, that's what, that, what brothers means. It's the people of God. People have this thing in, in common, this, this thing that they share together. It's not just the men, but it's all the people of God, all the people who share this uh, common love and trust in the God of the Bible. What's it like when God's people are united? It's good. Now, good, I think, seems like a bit of a plain word, doesn't it? I mean, if you were going to describe something, you'd probably hope for something better than good. Good can mean all kinds of things. It can mean merry, pleasant, desirable, beautiful. It can mean morally good uh, as opposed to evil. But maybe the best uh, understanding for it here picks up on how it's used at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. When God creates the world, he looks at the world that he's created and he just describes it as good. It was a good world. It was everything that he had intended it to be. It was everything that it was designed to be. It fulfilled its purpose perfectly. And yet, even though God created the world good, he, at the end of, uh, uh, or at the beginning of chapter 2, he says, that there's one thing that's not good, and that is that Adam was alone. It was not good for man to be alone, for a human being to be alone. And so God created for Adam Eve, and he created from that human beings for each other. And this psalm, I think, is reflecting on that. It's not good for us as human beings to be alone. We were created to be together. It's not good for us to be alone, but then it's, not, it's also not good for us to be together, but kind of divided and fractious and opposed to each other. But to be together with God's people and to be united is to be everything that we, were, we are intended to be. It's to enjoy the heights for which we were designed. To live as God created us to live in unity with each other is deeply satisfying. 
I don't know if you've ever tried to bash a nail in with a pair of head shears or something like that, you know. You know they always say, use the right tool for the right job. But, uh, you know, sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do. Uh, but what is it like when you try and do that? It's frustrating and it doesn't work. But when you use a pair of head shears for the right job, you get them out and you, you get going on your, uh, your bush in the backyard... It's, it's, it's a wonderful experience. All of a sudden, within a few moments, you've got this wonderful square bush, you know, or beautifully crafted topiary, is that what it's called? Uh, it, it, it's a deeply satisfying experience to use a tool for the purpose for which it was intended. And in the same way, when we live as deeply united people, it's a, it's a satisfying experience because that is how God created us to be. He created us to be in fellowship with each other. He created us to love each other deeply from the heart. It satisfies, when we do that, it satisfies a need which is knitted into the fabric of our being. What is unity like? It's good. It satisfies us deep down. But the writer says it's also pleasant. Like good uh, in a world charged with entertainment, pleasant can seem a bit dull, doesn't it? Uh, you know, entertainment is kind of frenetic. Ah! But pleasant is kind of, mm, it's sort of a bit meandering. Uh, but, but I think in a world charged with entertainment, entertainment can be exhausting. But unity is not like that. Unity is not entertaining. It's not exhausting. It's pleasant and delightful. It's refreshing and reinvigorating. It's like taking a picnic beside a, a kind of a gentle stream. The silence of the world is punctuated only by the sound of water and the calls of the birds in the trees. The trees are in blossom and the deep green colour or the, kind of the, 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 that really light silvery shade of the leaves is offset by the colours of the flowers. It's like meandering along a coastal track and you can see and hear the waves kind of gently rolling in to the beach. The sun is overhead, but it's not scorching. It's kind of just right. The air temperature is moderate. It's cool enough that, uh, that, you know, that you're not going to get hot when you're walking around. And it's warm enough that when you stop, you don't get cold. It's just everything just kind of... It's just one of those days that just is really pleasant. And the writer is saying that's what unity is like. It's just... Deeply satisfied, everything falls exactly into place. So refreshing, so wonderful. All is right with the world, even just for a moment. And I think experience confirms that. Our experience in, with Christian unity confirms those realities that it is good and it is pleasant. When you meet someone who's a Christian kind of in your travels in the shops or on the public transport system or on a plane or something like that, it can be, it can be a really wonderful experience. I remember a few years ago, I was uh, catching the, uh, a flight back from Melbourne and uh, there was, I was reading my Bible on the plane. A lady came up to me on the way out and she said, I saw you reading your Bible on the plane. I'm a Christian too. And I thought, well, isn't that lovely? We just had a little chat on the way to the... Uh, uh, to the fruit bins and, uh, and, and went on our way. Some people are off, uh, some people are off today to TCC. 
And I think, you know, as you think about experiences with Christian camps, one of the most remarkable things is that you can go to these places where you don't know very many people, and yet, after just what seems like an instant, you can communicate with people at a very deep level about very profound things. Uh, in my time, uh, you know, in my time, in short time in ministry, I've spoken at a few d- different camps, and when you go as a speaker, one of the realities is that you probably know almost nobody, right? You may know the person organising it, and maybe then you might not even know them. And so you go to this camp, you don't know a single soul, but it's, but it's, so, it's so encouraging, it's so heartening to meet all these, all these wonderful people who share their lives with you, ask deep and difficult questions. This is a situation in my life, what, what on earth should I do with this? This is the tragedy that I've experienced in the last year. These are the blessings that God has shown me in that. It's remarkable. People that you've never met before may never meet ever again in this life. And yet there's this deep unity, camaraderie. A friend of mine once said to me that no matter where you go, when you go to a church, you're always going to people that you can trust. And it's true. It's remarkable how open you can be with people who share uh, that unifying work of the gospel and the unifying work of the Holy Spirit. What is unity like? It's good and it's pleasant. But the psalm goes on to give two other illustrations of what unity is like as well. The first uh, of those is in verse 2. Unity is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. Uh, in the time when this psalm was written, oil was used for hair and skin care, uh, and I guess it still is, more or less today. It's probably the key ingredient in a fair few uh, things. And people would mix uh, spices, ar- aromatic spices with the oils and kind of use it, I guess, you know, to kind of make themselves smell nice, a bit of a deodorant or something like that. And it was a basic act of hospitality when people came to visit your house that you would pour oil on their head. I guess you'd ask first. Uh, it could be a bit awkward otherwise. <laughs> but, um, but it was what you did to, to, show, uh, to show hospitality and kindness to someone who came over. It's a bit like, uh, I love going to those Japanese restaurants when you, when you go in and they bring out the, the little bowl and the, and the damp cloth. You know? And before you, before you eat the meal, you just kind of have a moment to just refresh yourself, uh, you know, just feel so sophisticated, uh, you know, wipe your face uh, and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's actually, it's really pleasant, isn't it? On a hot day or whatever, uh, it's really pleasant just to, to sit down and, and, and prepare for a meal like that. But the picture here, I think, is, is kind of far more abundant, uh, excessive, if you like, than a sort of a damp cloth in a restaurant. Uh, the oil here is pouring off this person's head. It's pouring, it's kind of, there's so much oil that it's pouring off their head onto their beard, down their robes. It's overflowing. It's just kind of this picture of refreshment, but it's just, it's full on. It, uh, it reminds me of one of those, you know, one of those, those, uh, those tourism ads for the top end where the person's standing under the waterfall, you know, just throwing, throwing their head around. And, yeah, just... Um, or, or coming up out of the water, you know, like the, the, the scene in the film where the person's coming up out of the, out of the water, the, you know. Uh, it's, it's the, what they're trying to convey to us is this sense of deep refreshment, 
right? It's, it's, it's pleasant. It's, it's refreshing. It's overflowing. It's a picture of refreshment, uh, refreshment through rich fellowship and abundant hospitality and love. It's wonderful, I think, to hear those stories of people in the church who, who, who show that and who experience that. Uh, to hear those stories of people who, who are constantly inviting people over uh, for lunch or dinner or something like that, constantly sharing their house uh, with people. Or, or, or people who have no other family or friends around, and to hear that, ah, oh, you know, actually, I, I, I was at so and so's house the other day. It's like, oh, really? I thought they invited you around. That's uh, that's really lovely. Uh, you, you, you know, you might they might not have anything in common except their fellowship in the gospel, but they have received this generous love and care from other people in the church. Or to hear stories of a few people who could be sitting at home, lonely, kind of not doing anything, but who, who decide, hey, let's meet up. Let's meet up, you and I, let's meet up once a week and just, and just have, spend some time together and enjoy each other's company and express in concrete ways the unity that we have in Christ. People sometimes say to me, Carl, this is my family. They say about this church, they say, Carl, this is my family. And they're not sort of just being quaint or holier than thou or uh, you know, trying, to, trying to get brownie points or something like that. They mean it. They mean that you, you are their family. You give them delight. It's like oil poured on the head, it's refreshing. It's like going for a swim in the ocean on a hot day. That's what it's like. The second illustration of what unity is like is in verse 3. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Uh, In David Attenborough's documentary series, Planet Earth, they go to uh, the Atacama Desert in Chile. And the Atacama Desert, I think, is the driest place on the planet. There are some parts of it that don't get rain for 50 years. Uh, But even though there's no rain, these banks of fog come off the ocean and are swept inland by the wind. And as the fog passes through over the land, it condenses on the the plants and on the ground. uh, And it's, it's, it's extraordinary, actually, to watch this, the documentary and to see these enormous, just massive clouds sweeping across this barren landscape. But because of that heavy dew, even though there's no rain, for some, there hasn't been rain in some of these places for 50 years, because of this dew, life can exist there. Plants grow. Birds and animals live in this region. There's no rain uh, but, but life can exist. The region survives on dew, on this heavy dew. Well, Mount Zion, which is another name for Jerusalem, Mount Zion is no Atacama Desert, but it, it was also a region which kind of could go without rain. It had very little rainfall between uh, April and October. And in contrast to that, Mount Hermon is a snow-capped mountain to the north of Jerusalem, And it was kind of famous for its heavy dews. And so what the writer of the psalm is saying, what God is saying in the psalm here is that unity is like that. It's like the refreshment of these banks of heavy dew 
sweeping into this place which is otherwise kind of a barren, dry wilderness. What could be a, a, a lifeless place is refreshed by this, this, this great blessing from God. God is saying that unity, like the refreshment and life that comes from Jew, is unity is, is refreshing for us. When life is difficult, unity in the church and among God's people is refreshing. It's life-giving. It's like water for dry ground. It's life for, for dying plants. When society is fragmented, when families are fragmented, when family Christmases are hard places to be, when Christmas is a lonely place to be, when workplaces are full of tension and division and bitterness and bullying... Unity and love is refreshing and reinvigorating. Unity in the church is refreshing and reinvigorating. It's like heavy dew, which brings life to a dry desert. It's like soaking rain that brings the lawn back after it's been dead for months. It's like a drink of ice cold water on a hot day. Unity is refreshing, it's life giving. What is unity like? It's good and pleasant. Uh, it's abundant, uh, like fragrant oil, and it's refreshing, like life-giving dew. But notice too in this psalm that unity is a gift from God. Uh, verse 3, uh, the end of verse 3 says that it's God who bestows this great blessing on his people. In fact, it's stronger than that. It says God commands his blessing. And the Jew literally runs down uh, from heaven. It's, sort of the, it, 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 it's running down, and the oil too, it runs down. It runs down, if you like, from God to us. And notice too that the oil is poured not just on any head, but on Aaron's head. You might go, well, who's, who's this guy, Aaron? Well, Aaron was the first high priest in Israel, and he was initiated into that role by being anointed with oil. Uh, in the Old Testament, the high priest was the person who represented, if you like, the connection between God and the people. And as Aaron comes into God's house, uh, his head is anointed with oil. It's a picture of fellowship, I think. But not fellowship just with any person, but fellowship with God himself. And the picture here is then of that fellowship flowing out from Aaron to all those around him. The oil is so full, so abundant, so plentiful that it runs down his head, down his beard, on his robe. It's, it's overflowing. The blessing of knowing God uh, flows from him to others. These people are not just meeting together then. This psalm is not just a psalm about uh, the people meeting with each other, but it's a picture of these people meeting with each other, with God. They're meeting with God in the place that God had promised to meet them. And meeting with God changes their relationship with each other. The New Testament describes Jesus as our great high priest, like Aaron, because being the Son of God and being one with his Father, he has the ultimate level of fellowship with God. And all the benefits of that fellowship flow down from, uh, from Jesus to us. It's like, uh, like travelling with a person who has access to, uh, you know, like the Qantas Lounge or the Virgin Lounge or something like that. You know, 
You don't get in there because you, you can go to the door and say, well, I'd, I'd really like to come to the lounge. They're not going to let you in. But if you go with the person who has the, the ticket and if they give you the, get, the guest pass, you get to go in too. And once you're in, you're treated as though you're a member. You can have whatever you want, as much as you want. <laughs> it's fantastic. And in the same way, we don't get into this incredible relationship and all the blessings of the relationship with God. We don't get in there because of... Uh, the special kind of person that we are. We get in there because we know Jesus. Jesus has the ticket to get in and we go along with him. In other words, uh, the unity that this psalm is speaking about is not intrinsic. That is, it's not something that we, that we have ourselves, it's not something that we build ourselves, but it's a blessing of fellowship with God that comes through Jesus Christ. We can spend uh, ourselves in turning up to church every week and kind of trying to build fellowship and we can run barbecues and, and, and church camps and we can hold combined services with other churches and all those things might be good to do. But it's all a waste of time unless at the very heart of all those things, at the very heart of what we're doing, is seeking to know Jesus more and more. Because it's through Jesus that fellowship flows down from God to us. It's through fellowship with God in Jesus Christ that the fellowship with each other comes. None of those things that we do of themselves can bring about the kind of unity, pleasant, good, refreshing unity that this psalm describes. The only path is through seeking Jesus Christ. But also, I think, the fact that the unity flows down from Jesus Christ also means that while we can have great friends uh, outside the church, great friends who aren't Christians, our relationship with people who, who don't share that unity with Christ, our relationship with those people will always have something missing. It might be great, it might be a, a, a great relationship, but it will always, there'll always be a peace missing and a significant peace. There's always a limit to the kind of unity that we have because ultimately the, the deep, profound, refreshing, refreshing, pleasant, good unity that this psalm describes is unity which flows down from knowing God through Jesus Christ. It's a unity which runs down from heaven to those who know Jesus. What is unity like? It's good, it's pleasant, it's abundant, it's fragrant, refreshing, it's like life-giving dew. It's a gift from God But I think the sad reality is, isn't it, that it's not always like that. There are moments, moments that touch the sublime, moments that we might be able to think back to when when we have just been just a tremendous sense of love uh, and, and camaraderie and companionship. And not just moments, not just like one day, well, wasn't that good, but, it, but even seasons, times. Some lifetimes, some people's lives are marked more by unity than others. But never too far away is division and fractiousness and envy and enmity and jealousy and bitterness, suspicion, misunderstanding a predisposition to think the worst of people, unforgiveness, those things are never too far away, never too far away, always threatening the kind of the precious unity that God uh, shows us here in this psalm. 
And I think sometimes those great heights of unity, those great blessings, those great tastes of what it can be like actually makes us more intolerant, more impatient of those times when it's not like that. Instead of thinking, well, it'll, it'll get better again one day, we think, well, what a waste of time this is. We long for unity, but we're not there. Not there. And disunity can drive us from churches. Disunity can drive us from Christian friends. Disunity can drive people from the faith. Can drive people from Christ. And yet the most remarkable thing is that despite our disunity, Jesus has entered into that. Jesus has entered into our disunity. He's taken on himself the realities of of our lives, the, the way that we fail to match up to, to the vision that this psalm paints. He's taken on himself the realities of the beginning of this psalm. He's come to dwell with us. How good it is when brothers dwell together. He's come to dwell with us and he's called us his brothers. Despite our disunity, the writer of Hebrews says that God isn't ashamed to call us brothers. He's not, he doesn't say, oh, well, no, no, actually, they say they know me, but I don't, I don't actually know them. No, Jesus says, I know those people. They belong to me. And when Jesus came and dwelled among us, dwelled with us, he brought unity, unity with God and unity with each other. Even in our brokenness and disunity, Jesus has come down. He's come down and united himself with ununited people. And he's done it not to maintain the status quo, but in order to make us united with him uh, and united with each other. When we entrust ourselves to Jesus' care and love, we are united with him by the Holy Spirit and his character and life transforms us. The Holy Spirit through Jesus transforms us and we become like Jesus. And the dis united people around us are the people that we live with and the people that we call our brothers and sisters. We become more and more like Jesus every day and the unity of God flows down from Jesus to us and from us to each other as well. So that if we're in Christ now, we already experience a, a foretaste of that precious unity that we'll have uh, in the new creation. But also at the same time we know that we're not quite there, that sin remains inside of us and that because of that we're left longing for this greater unity, something more than what we already have. We long for the end of division, we long for peace and love to reign. The worst days uh, among our brothers and sisters in Christ remind us what it is that we need to be saved from. Bitterness and division. And the worst days among our brothers and sisters in churches remind us that only God can do it. It's not the church who'll save the world, it's God. But the best days, the very best days of unity and love and comradeship and fellowship, the very best days give us a taste of heaven in the vision of a life to come. Let's pray.
Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you that your great plan and purpose for the world is for us as people to live together in unity, not divided, but united in love, united in knowing you and serving you, united in following Jesus Christ. And Lord, thank you that many of us here this morning have been united through faith in Jesus Christ by your powerful Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you that even though there is uh, at times division and disagreement, at times there might be hurt, Lord, thank you that we are united nevertheless through faith in Jesus Christ through a genuine love and a growing love that we have for each other by the great miracle of your work in us. And Lord, we pray that every day, uh, every moment that we live, we would grow more and more to be like Christ so that we, uh, like he was, would not be ashamed to call uh, our fellow Christians brothers and sisters, but that every day we would love each other all the more Uh, and reflect all the more the truth and the reality of the gospel. Lord, we pray for those who don't know Christ and deep down long for the kind of unity and fellowship that is promised uh, through Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would call them to faith in him so that they too might experience the wonderful joys uh, that we have already tasted. And Lord, as we look forward To eternity, Father, we ask that you would uh, spur us on with the hope of a day when division uh, and disagreement will be totally done away with uh, and we will love each other and love you perfectly once and for all. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.